place it comfortably. So, this is the last um, Dharma talk, I believe, I'll be giving this session. I always like the last talk to be something that you can take back into everyday life, which can take all of them back into everyday life. But this one is titled um, The Dharma of Breathing, and I'm sure you can take it back into your everyday life because you'll continue to breathe. Do you know, um, it's a bit funny giving a talk on the Dharma of Breathing because the Dharma of Breathing is just to just breathe. Mm, Just breathe. Um, and that's the experience of breathing. But it's like you could give a medical or a biological (coughs) explanation of breathing and say that, you know, when you breathe in, you um, transfer oxygen into your bloodstream, you know, and then the oxygen goes to different parts of your body to energise, et cetera, et cetera, and then carbon dioxide is breathed out. That's the medical explanation of breathing. But that's not breathing. Breathing is just what we do in, out, in, out. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, me giving a Dharma explanation of breathing is a bit like giving a medical explanation as well. It's not actually the experience of breathing, but it might help you to um, understand the experience of breathing from a, not just a biological perspective, but another perspective. First of all, let's go back into the past. I'd like you, you can't remember this, of course, but I'd like you to go back and imagine when you took your first breath, there was a point in time when you took your first breath and you'd been in your mother's womb for nine months previous to that and you were getting your oxygen through the placenta, right? And then you came out into the world and you took your first breath. Dana has experienced this many times over being a a midwife, that first breath. And then you're on your own, you know, you start taking the oxygen on your own as an independent entity. There was a point somewhere in time where you took your first breath. And there'll be a point, if we go into the future, there'll be a point in time where we all take our last breath, right? We'll breathe in and then we'll breathe out and we won't breathe back in again. And that will come somewhere in the future. In the meantime, to come back to the present, we're all breathing. Uh Um, And we're not always conscious of the fact that we're breathing. But one of the central things about Zazen and about Buddhist meditation in general, its primary, primary basis is conscious breathing. That's what we're doing here. Breathing happens unconsciously, whether we conscious about it or not, think about it or not. But what happens during the session is that we turn up to consciously breathe. So the mind is engaged with the breathing, in other words. Now, what breathing is, is essentially You could describe it in many different ways. Breathing in, breathing out, contracting, letting go, contracting, letting go, filling up, emptying, filling up, emptying, presence, absence. Mm -hmm. 
All those words could describe it. Any I've forgotten here. Um, yeah, filling up, emptying. Yeah, so the process of breathing is about swinging between two opposites all the time. Right? It's not one or the other. It's the process of both. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me give you a beautiful description of the Dharma of breathing by Suzuki Roshi. You've probably read it before, but let me remind you. When we practice sasin, our mind always follows our breathing. When we inhale, the air comes into the inner world. When we exhale, the air goes out to the outer world. The inner world is limitless and the outer world is limitless. We say inner world and outer world, but actually there is just one world. In this limitless world, our throat is like a swinging door. If you think I breathe, I breathe, um, the I is extra. There is no use saying I, what we call I is just a swinging door which moves when we inhale and exhale. It just moves, that's all. When your mind is pure and calm enough to follow this movement, there is nothing, no I, no world, no mind or body, just a swinging door. Mm-hmm. That's all that's happening, the swinging door of breathing, no I. <clears throat> Now, another way of looking at this too, like visually, you know, breathing in, breathing out, it's a bit like clench the fist, open hand, clench the fist, open hand. Mm -hmm. I like the same contracting, letting go, contracting, letting go, that happens all the time. But what... If we come to the, that's what the process of breathing is. But when we come to the mind experience, like conscious awareness, it's kind of like a, you know, when it's following the breath, it's kind of like it contracts and lets go, contracts and lets go. Alan Watts said something that stuck in my mind years ago that I read. Um, He said the ego identity is simply a psychophysical contraction. That's all it is. And the the problem that the the mind, ego has, instead of just following, like the breath going in, out, in, out, contraction, letting go, contraction, letting go, what the, the mind, ego is, is a contraction that stays chronically contracted. It's like, it tries to, I can't really, but it's trying to. It's trying to hold on, you know. Contraction, contraction, contraction. Me, 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 mine, mine, me. That's what it's doing all the time, you know, and it creates all these stories, you know, to to, to feed this idea that um, I've got to be permanently here and run the show as the boss of me, you know, and um, rather than just letting it do what it needs to do. That's, That's what the ego identity is. And uh, where the beauty of meditation is, meditation is really just some simply conscious breathing. 
lot of it. Um, and if you do this long enough, you just follow your breath in and out. The breathing's happening anyway, and then you become conscious of it and you follow your breathing in and out. And you just focus on your breathing. And if you do that over and over again, and you don't keep entertaining the stories and reinforcing this psychophysical contraction called the eye, then the mind just becomes one with the breath. It just follows the experience of contracting and letting go, and that's all it does. And it realises it doesn't hold on, doesn't need to hold on to this constant chronic contraction, it lets go of it. Really, it's like the, the, the crazy thing about our eager identity, it's like that, you know? It's like a, something that's constantly trying to go like that, you know? And, and it's silly, but we get caught up in it. That's why also, you know, like from a, from a mindfulness clinical point of view, is, is just conscious breathing, mindfulness, um, is such a wonderful thing for people to do um, because to me, more than anything else, it helps people to regulate their emotional states and it's through dysregulated emotional states where we have you know, too much anger, too much fear, too much shame, too much swinging between extremes um, is where our life goes off track you know, and to the point where it develops you know, severe dukkha, mental illness, right? Or just average day-to-day dukkha, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's the best thing you can do to regulate your emotions. <clears throat> and that's the Dharma kind of understanding of it, is that it helps regulate emotions because just following the breath reduces the eye. It reduces this, this little controller inside that's trying to run the show but it doesn't need to. And it's kind of like the ego identity is like a boss of a company who's micromanaging everything and failing badly <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> and doesn't get it, like just doesn't, doesn't have the insight that that's what's actually occurring. And that's what we're like in a sense, we're kind of with, our, if our, with ourselves, let alone with other people, we're kind of like, the micromanaging boss interfering and trying to run the show and failing all the time mm-hmm. until we have the insight into that and we wake up to it. So you just, that's why conscious breathing is just so central to what we're doing. And if you do it five minutes a day, then you learn to calm a little bit and you regulate a little bit. If you do it half an hour every day, you get a clear understanding of that. If you commit to it more and do something like session, you know, and you commit to it as a, a regular practice that you're trying to do daily in your life, you see even more clearly how you create the ego. Right? So it, it's, it's more like it's just the extension of time and commitment you put into it. Um, it helps you to see more clearly the ego that's contracting all of the time and how we keep feeding it. And we have other practices, of course, that have, we all know of, like the precepts help us to also see how we create this eye, you know, that thing can create harm to ourselves or to others. So it's just an extension of the practice.
in a, a, a book I just read that Deborah gave me, which is on uh, called China Root, which is about the the Taoist roots of um, uh, of Zen, which we've talked about before in sessions before. Um, the author is saying his view is is that that, that Taoism is at the core of Zen. It's not, and Buddhism kind of gives it a bit of a structure. But this is my own metaphor: is that if you use extend the the view of China root, that the root is Taoism. It's kind of like Buddhism gave a trellis for the for the root to grow on, you know, and to flower. Um, but the central thing that Buddhism brought to Taoism was sitting meditation. You know, Bodhidharma is the beginning of, of, of Buddhism and its integration with um, with Taoism that became Zen. So his practice is just turning up, facing the wall, conscious breathing, being present to just that. And so before Buddhism came along, I would imagine, I don't know the history of this intimately, but my assumption from the reading is there was meditation before Bodhidharma came along, but Buddhism formalised it, you know, into something that you do with a erect posture in, you know, lotus position or cross-legged position, and you sit there for, for formal periods of time following your breath, because the breath is the Tao. The breath is just the flow of contraction and letting go, contraction, letting go. That's the life, that's the universe, contracting, letting go. Sasaki Roshi, who many of you might know, who was a well-known um, Japanese teacher in, in um, California, Mount Baldy. I don't know whether he's still alive. I think he reached 100 at least. But apparently in about the last five or ten years of his life. His only Dharma talk was about, it's all about contracting, letting go. That's his Dharma talk every time. <laughs> contracting, letting go. The universe is contracting, letting go. You're breathing in, contracting, letting go. You and the universe are one. That's all we do. Because it's so central, it brings us right back in this breath to what life is about. So Buddhism, with its um, formal meditation um, and its structure of precepts, gave something, gave that trellis for the, the root to grow on. And that's what we inherit today and what we're doing now, many centuries later. So, Mindfulness, conscious breathing, does help regulate emotions. That's why it's a wonderful thing to bring into your everyday life. But if you do it long enough and you very, do it very conscientiously and consciously, eventually it'll also it'll reduce the eye. It'll re- reduce it'll reduce that sense of contraction in the mind, which is a total delusion. You know, which causes a kind of irritation in our life. And then the, the dukkha, that's that irritation. So we just breathe, 
just in, just out, just in, just out. There's no I there, there's just the swinging door. If we take that, if we sit with that for a week, we get some clarity that in our everyday life, that's all that's happening as well. Mm-hmm. And it means you just go about the normal activities you do, you go shopping and go sailing and go to work and all those kind of things. But there's an ease with which you do it. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing you need to hold on to in there all the time. Mm-hmm.